am so glad that you guys are here this morning. And for those of you who may be visiting with us, let me just take a second to introduce myself. My name is Stacy McLean, and my husband, Chris, and I get the privilege of serving as an elder couple here at Crosstown, and I'm also a part of the teaching team here. And so Pastor Paul has asked me to come this morning and share with you guys. And we are right in the middle of our series, Road Trip. We're in the middle of the summer. A lot of us are taking road trips. A lot of us are going and exploring all that God has created, and it's been a really neat experience as we've been going through this series. We've been looking at some of the national parks. I've never had the privilege of going to any of the national parks. It's definitely a bucket list thing for me that I would like to do. But as we've been going through and looking at these different national parks, we're learning that our faith journey is like a road trip, and we're learning that um, our faith journey can find ourselves in different states and in different environments. And then as we've been looking at the national parks, we've been looking at the topography of those parks. And the topography is just the natural shape and the natural structure of a place. And so we've learned that your faith has topography. Your faith journey has topography. It has a natural shape and a natural structure. And your faith journey looks different than my faith journey. And they all have their own natural structure about them. We've been learning about our natural stories and how our natural story, what are the things that are natural to us, where we were born, what experiences we've had, what interactions we've had, that's natural. And then when we meet God, it becomes a grace story and it becomes a beautiful story. It's not always completely neat and put together, but it is a beautiful picture. And so that's what we've been looking at. And as we're going through this series, it helps me if I have objectives in mind when I'm listening. Uh, I can listen to something, but if I'm not listening with an objective, then I don't do as well retaining that information. So I want to just kind of remind us, what are some of the objectives that Pastor Paul set forth for us as we're through going through this series? There are really three things that we want to keep in mind as we're going through each week and kind of thinking about. And the first one is that we're, this series is designed to help you discover that your journey, though different, is important to God. And I think this is really important for somebody here this morning. Um, I really feel like you need to know you matter to God. Your faith journey is significant to him. I feel like there's somebody here today that feels insignificant. And you need to be reminded, your faith journey doesn't look like what you thought it should look like, but it matters to God, and he cares about you. So as we're going through this today, no matter what else comes in your head, please remember, God loves you, and you do matter. And he is watching, and you are significant to him. The next um, objective for us, the next thing we need to be thinking about is that faith has transitions. There are different phases of our faith journey. There are different things that we go through in our journey, and sometimes we get stuck. If you have walked with the Lord any period of time, then you have felt this experience where you're connected to God, and you're growing, and you're on fire, and then all of a sudden you may find yourself in what I call a dry season. That's just kind of what I've always referred to it as. This happened to me last fall. In October, November of last year, I was in a dry season, and I just was kind of feeling stuck. I mean, I was reading my Bible. I was doing a Bible study with some other ladies, but I just 
I didn't feel like I was hearing from the Lord. And this went on for several weeks, and I got really anxious about it. And I want to put your heart at ease. If you are in that place, he is still here. He is still active. He is still talking. And he showed me in Jeremiah chapter 17 that even in a drought, even in a dry season, that a tree that is planted by streams of living water, that even if we are his, that we will still bear fruit. And sometimes in that silence, we feel stuck. And if that's where you are, then I hope this series will help you kind of fix that flat tire and get you back on the journey. Um, And his word did that for me, reminding me that there's still fruit that will be bearing in a dry season. And then lastly, this one really relates to me as well, too. This series is to help us appreciate other people's faith journey. See, I I tend to kind of go at a certain pace, and if you're not at my pace, then I get frustrated. And that's not okay. It's really just not okay. And some of us are here today, and we're investigating this whole idea of our faith journey. We've just opened up the computer, and we are searching to see if maybe we want to go visit a national park. And so we're doing our research, and we're looking. That's okay. Some of us have already decided which national park we're going to. Some of us have already packed our bags, and some of us are already in the national park. Wherever you are on your faith journey, it's okay. And I need to, and you need to, appreciate that different people are in different places. And as I have been thinking about that through this series, it's really put my heart at peace with other people in their faith journey, especially some of my loved ones that are so close to me that I think, man, I wish they would get in the car and go already. And the Lord's like, no. They're still investigating, and that's okay. Celebrate where they are. Love them where they are. So today we're going to continue in the series, and we're going to be looking at a story that may be very familiar to you. If you are like me and you grew up in church, then you've been hearing this story since you were a child. And because I've heard this story my whole life, and every adult that I interacted with growing up would tell me this story, I never once questioned it. It was never unbelievable to me. Until this week when I started reading it. When Pastor Paul and I sat down and he was talking about, hey, I want you to go through this story. I was like, oh, I've been hearing that since I was a child. I got that. And this week I started studying and reading it and going, this is unbelievable. So you probably have heard this story and you just believe it like I have. Or it's the one story in the Bible that you're like, there is no way the Bible can be true because I cannot believe that story. It is unbelievable. And so we're going to be talking about an unbelievable fish story. So I want to share with you my unbelievable fish story because I have one. So I thought, why not share it, right? Uh, Last year was the year of joy for us and our family. So every year my husband uh, prays about it and God gives him kind of a word for our family. And last year our word was joy. And our verse was Psalm 1611. And our verse said, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So throughout the year, I would think about that verse. I would meditate on that verse. And so one afternoon, um, it looked like the fishing was going to be good on my dock. So I went down there with my, I couldn't get anybody else in my house to go with me. Can you believe that? What is, I mean, video games or fishing, I don't know. But I went down to the dock, and I baited my hook, and I threw it in, and I'm standing there, and I'm talking to God. And I was like, Lord, 
There are pleasures in your right hand forevermore. This is your creation. If you tell a fish to get on my hook, it's going to get on my hook. And then I can brag to Pastor Paul and be like, ha ha, I caught a bigger fish than you. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying I'm a little competitive. So I'm standing there and I'm asking God to give me a big fish. And all of a sudden, my line, the court goes under and I'm like, oh yeah, here it is. But a big red fish, if you've caught one, they kind of fight and they run and it's real exciting. This was not really fighting and running. It kind of just went and just pulled it down. And I thought, oh, man, what is it? So I'm pulling it up, pulling it up. It's a stingray. Any of you fishermen out there, you do not want to catch a stingray. I'm just telling you, you don't want a stingray on the end of your line. I'm like, Lord, that is not the pleasure I was looking for. I do not want a stingray because stingrays don't know how to get hooked. So they swallow the whole hook, everything, like up to the leader is all in the stingray's mouth and the stingray is like flat on the ground so its mouth is underneath it i'm pulling it up it's the biggest stingray i've ever seen i mean it is it's like this right you know it's it's a big stingray so i'm like oh man i am never going to be able to get this up by myself so i call my friend amanda who's in the house with the kids i'm like hey amanda will you guys come down and help me i caught a stingray i got to get it off so she comes down. I'm walking the stingray all the way down to the end of the floater so we can scoop it and get it up. And so all the kids are standing there, and Amanda leans down over the edge to scoop the stingray up. And as she's scooping it up, all of a sudden, what looks like its insides starts coming out of the stingray. And we are like, oh, what is that? That stingray started having live babies right there in front of us. It had three stingray babies while we were watching it. Now, if that is not unbelievable, I don't know what is. I mean, I was shocked. And then I just laughed and I was like, you show me the path of life. Well, there you go, Lord. I just saw the path of life. How many of you have ever seen a stingray have live babies in the wild, right? It is unbelievable. And so... You know, we're going to be talking about this unbelievable fish story in Jonah chapter 1. And the truth is, all of our topography is different. However you got here today, whatever your week looked like, whatever you're going through, we all have different backgrounds, we have different circumstances and experiences that we're coming from. But like we're going to see in this story, God wants you to know that he is here right now. He has a word for you this morning. He loves you, and he is for you. And so as we get into this, we're going to be looking at what God is saying to us today. Um, Jonah chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open those. That's where we're going to start. If you don't have a Bible, by the way, I want to encourage you. We've got some that are free for you at guest services. We won't talk to you. We won't ask for your name, anything. But if you want one of those Bibles, just go grab one on your way out today because it's the path of life. And if you don't have one at your house, then I encourage you to stop by and grab one today. But we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1, and we don't know a whole lot about Jonah, honestly. As I was researching Jonah and trying to figure out all this really great information about Jonah, there's very little that we know about Jonah. But we do know, according to Scripture, that Jonah was a real man. So if you have doubted this story of Jonah and the fact that he got swallowed by a whale... Um, that's a spoiler alert if you didn't know the story. He gets swallowed by a whale. But if you have struggled because you're like, that is just impossible. We know he was a real man because scripture talks about it. And even Jesus mentions Jonah, which, by the way, blows me away. Because honestly, out of all the people in the Bible, Jonah's not someone I would really want to be, to be honest with you. Um, but we know Jonah was a real person. And we know that he was a prophet in Israel. So he was the one that God spoke through to the people of Israel. 
And we also know, uh, according to the story, that Jonah didn't want to do what God was asking him to do. So as we're going through the story today, I want you to just think about who are you can relate to in the story because each of us are going to find ourselves somewhere in this story. So whether or not you've walked with the Lord a really long time and maybe even considered that you've been hearing from God and you've been told to tell people things like Jonah, or maybe you don't even know your right from your left and you don't really know who God is He's here today, and there are people in the story that fall into all of those categories and everywhere in between. So as we're reading, I want you to just think about that and think about who you can relate to in the story. We're going to pick up in Jonah chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 4. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amity, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me, but... Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Right there, right off the bat, now the word of the Lord came. But Jonah fled. <laughs> Are there times that you have felt like the Lord has spoken? And you have fled instead of responding rightly to what God has said? I have found myself in that situation. Are there times when you've responded with a but? See, Jonah responded with a but. And that but led him down a bad road. Where has your but led you? <laughs> I mean, where has your but led you? Where has your bad attitude, your unwilling heart, or your terrified mind led you. See, some of us come into our experience in church with a bad attitude. And usually our bad attitude is because we have an incorrect belief structure in our life. And so maybe your bad attitude has led you down a dark road. Or maybe it's your unwilling heart. You just don't want to do what God's telling you to do or what God's telling you not to do. It's just like, no, that's too hard. I don't want to do that. Like Jonah had an unwilling heart. He was trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. Or maybe it's your terrified mind. Maybe anxiety and fear has you gripped so much that you are afraid to move into what God is asking you to do. If that's the case, then I want you to go back and listen to last week's sermon. Pastor Paul talked to us about Gideon and the fear that Gideon had and how that fear is not real for us and that we should have hope in the Lord. And so wherever you are and wherever your butt has led you, your bad attitude, your unwilling heart, or your terrified mind, the truth is we cannot flee from the Lord. Jonah tried to flee the presence of the Lord. And I think Jonah knew he actually couldn't leave God. He knew that. Jonah was a prophet. God spoke directly to Jonah. So I think Jonah understood that he couldn't leave the presence of the Lord. But he did like a lot of us. He wanted to get as far away from the people of God as he could get. Have you ever found yourself there? Like you're investigating this whole Christianity thing, this whole God thing, this whole church thing. And as you get closer, then all of a sudden you feel like God tells you something and it's just going to be too difficult. So you put up every wall you can and you want to run as far away from the presence of God. So you disconnect from the people of God. That's what Jonah was doing. But the truth is... 
we're going to find out in this story that you can't flee from the presence of God. As a matter of fact, the psalmist tells us in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10, he says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. No matter where you go, you cannot flee the presence of the Lord. We're told in the New Testament, neither death nor life nor persecution nor height nor depth can separate us from the love of God. The truth is nothing can separate you from God. Nothing, no matter how far you run. Even when you're running in disobedience, Jonah was fleeing the presence of the Lord. He was being absolutely unwilling to do what God told him to do. He was being disobedient. And that disobedience cost other people. Listen to what happened. We're going to pick up in verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up, and the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. See, they didn't know the God that Jonah knew, so they cried out to the God that they knew. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down. See, his butt had led him down even further into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Jonah's disobedience cost the crew their valuable cargo, and it almost cost the crew their life. Your disobedience cost those around you. If you are here today and you know you are walking in disobedience in an area that God has called you into obedience, and you know, I know those times in my life when I've walked in disobedience, it isn't just affecting me. It affects my spouse. It affects my children. It affects the people I work with. It affects my friends. It has an effect and it has a cost. So the guys on the ship, the sailors, began freaking out. And they were like, what is going on? Who is causing this terrible storm? We know somebody is causing it. And they realize it's Jonah. And so they go to him. And they're like, all right, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? And why have you brought this trouble on us? I mean, they immediately start drilling him. They know, dude, you brought this stuff here. And we need to know what is going on. And like many of us, Jonah knew his identity. A lot of us know that we are a child of God, but we are running from him. And I want to tell you, there is no more miserable place on the planet than being a child of God and running from him. I know from experience. I gave my life to Christ at seven years old. And then about 18, 19, I started running from him. And I did everything I could to disassociate from anything that had his influence in it. When I was first married and first out of college and working, you were more likely to find me at a bar on Thursday afternoon at happy hour than any Bible study or church service on a Sunday morning. 
And I will tell you, when I look back on my life, it's the most miserable time of my entire life because I knew who I was. I knew that I was called to be different and I was disobeying and choosing to live life myself because I thought it would be more fun to hang out with those girls at the bar and, you know, have happy hour every Thursday afternoon at Willie's and Five Points. I thought that was where the fun was going to be. And I was miserable, absolutely miserable. So if that's you today, if you've been running I just want to encourage you, as scary as it may seem to step out in obedience, it is so much better. It is so much better. Jonah knew his identity. They started asking him, who are you and where are you from? Listen to how Jonah responds. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. The Hebrew people were known at this time to be set apart. Every other nation knew, who. That's, those are the Hebrews. They, they think that their God is like the one true God. That's what they told people because God told them that and they knew that. So he said, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Not only did he know who he was, that he was a Hebrew, but he knew how powerful his God was. He said, I know that he is the maker of the sea and the dry land. He knew the power that God had. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them that. See, we've been learning our identity in Christ. If you were here on Father's Day, my husband actually gave a message about who we are in Christ. And all these verses that we can refer to of who we are, that we have freedom in Christ, that we have forgiveness in Christ, that we have belonging in Christ. And for a lot of us, we know who we are, but we are running from our true identity. A lot of us just are afraid to step into it, but it might cost me. It's going to cost but it is well worth it. And let me ask you, how's that whole thing working out for you if you're running from the Lord? Are you feeling peace? Are you feeling hope? Are you feeling satisfaction? Are you feeling purpose? I can tell you from my own personal experience, I didn't feel any of those things. It didn't work out real well for me, actually. It was probably the worst two years of my entire marriage in those two years when I was running from the Lord. But when I finally submitted and surrendered and I stopped running and I began focusing on who I was and who I was in Christ, things began to change. Has God called you to do something and you're just refusing to do it? Is he asking you to forgive someone and you're just unwilling or you're terrified about what the response will be? Is he asking you to be that light at work? Is he asking you to step out in boldness and proclaim his truth? And I don't mean stand on a street corner and wave your Bible and say, choose heaven or hell. That's usually not the most effective way. Maybe God's asking you to reach out and show kindness and love to that coworker who is mean to everybody else. Maybe God's asking you to go over and talk to your neighbor, even though everybody else in the neighborhood knows that that's the neighbor that turns you into the HOA and they're just not very friendly and very nice. But maybe God's asking you to show love to them. What is it God's asking you to do? Maybe you don't find yourself in Jonah's situation today. Maybe you kind of relate to the sailors, like you're here and you're investigating and you haven't really ever had that encounter with God and you don't really know God personally, but you've kind of been exposed to some things of God and you want to know more about him. Listen to the response of the sailors. Listen to how they, were res they responded when they interacted with the presence of God through Jonah. Starting in verse 14. 
Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And listen to their response. The men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. See, these men didn't know God personally, but they had an interaction with the God of the universe. And they responded with reverence and sacrifice. So if you've never had an interaction with God personally, you are interacting with him this morning. How are you going to respond? These men responded immediately with reverence and sacrifice. So they decide to throw Jonah over because he said, this is what you got to do. You got to throw me overboard. They didn't want to throw Jonah overboard. They understood that that was sure death for Jonah. And so as a matter of fact, in the story, it tells us that they just worked really hard trying to row to shore. And the harder they tried on their own, even though Jonah said, look, you just got to toss me into the sea. I am the reason this is going on. Remember, he's a prophet. He's hearing and God's probably like, Jonah, you got to go. You got to get in the ocean, buddy, you know? And so he's like, throw me over. And they're like, no, we don't want to do that. So they're rowing really hard to try and get to the shore. And the harder they rowed, the worse the storm got. And so they finally threw Jonah overboard. And the Lord, Scripture says, the Lord appoints a fish to swallow Jonah. The Lord appointed a fish to swallow Jonah. See, sometimes we miss the grace of God in our lives because it doesn't appear the way we thought it would appear The grace of God showed up for Jonah is a slimy, smelly belly of a fish. That's what the grace of God looked like for Jonah. And look at how Jonah responded when he found himself at rock bottom, when he found himself in the pit of hell, but caught up in the grace of God. Isn't that a juxtaposition that we can be in the pit of hell at the worst place possible, but it's actually we're being surrounded and caught up in the grace of God? Don't miss that sometimes because we want one thing and God said, no, but I know what you need, so I'm going to give you this. Look at how Jonah responded. Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, out of hell, that same word that we were talking about in Psalm 139, that you can't even go there without fleeing the presence. You can't flee the presence of the Lord even there. But out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. When Jonah was at rock bottom, he chose to look up. He chose to call out to God. And some of us are falling to rock bottom right now. Some of us, our lives are spinning out of control. Maybe because of a decision you've made, maybe because of a decision someone else has made, but your life is spinning out of control. You have a choice. Are you going to continue spinning out of control? Are you going to look up and cry out? Because even in the beginning, When Nineveh, the Lord says, Jonah, I want you to go over to Nineveh, this great city. Their trouble, their distress has come up to me. And these people at the very end of Jonah, these are the same people that God said in Nineveh, they didn't even know their right from their left. They weren't his people yet. And he still heard them. So it doesn't matter who you are today. If you find yourself spinning out of control, cry out to him. He will hear you. 
And Jonah remembered as he sat in the belly of that well, he remembered who he was and to whom he belonged. So if you have forgotten in your faith journey who you are and who you belong to, today is a reminder. If you have ever confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, then you are his. You have been marked by God. You are his. You belong to him. So remember that today. Some of us are really trying to run from God. Some of us are really just going, I I can't do it, Lord. It's too hard. It's too impossible of a task. And God is here to offer us a second, a third, a fourth chance. He gave Jonah a second chance. Listen to what it says in Jonah 2.10. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah upon the dry land. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. In that one verse, there is so much. I could spend 45 minutes on this one verse, but don't worry, I won't, I promise. But, first of all, the Lord spoke to the fish. I'm just saying, if you are here and you are like me and you're like, I'm just simple-minded and I have a hard time hearing the voice of God, he spoke to a fish and the fish responded. So it just gives me hope. If he can speak to a fish and a fish can respond, I'm pretty sure I'm smarter than a fish. Maybe not much, but I'm smarter than a fish. So, Hopefully I can respond. He gave Jonah a second chance. But the same word of the Lord came to Jonah. God did not change what he was telling Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time as Jonah is literally being thrown up, vomited up on the shore. Right there, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And Jonah had a choice to make. Some of us have just been vomited up on the seashore. And God is saying, today you have a choice to make. This time, it says, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. And he preached the gospel in Nineveh. Isn't that crazy too? Wow. He went and he said, God will save you. Nineveh, you're going to perish in 40 days. And they repented and they were saved. The king even wrote an edict. The king of Nineveh said, everybody even the cattle, we're going to fast, we're going to pray, and we're going to turn our face to God. And God heard them, and God saved them. So it doesn't matter how far you are from him. He is here, and he wants to save you. No matter where you are in your journey, the Lord wants you to know he is here today, and he wants to meet you right where you are. If you are on a high with God, he wants to meet you on that mountaintop. If you are trying to climb back up out of the pit, he wants to meet you on that climb. And if you are falling face down out of complete and total agony and distress, he is right there and he will be the lifter of your face. He will reach down and he will lift your face up. And he wants you to know that. The word that the Lord wants us to know more than anything else today is he is saying, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never. Remember Psalm 139. You cannot flee from his presence. And he has promised us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Some of you are like, yep, I got that. Mm -hmm, I've heard that my whole life. Yep, okay, that's what the Bible says. Sometimes we need to stop and the word of the Lord needs to be amplified for us. 
Sometimes when we get stuck, the word of the Lord needs to be amplified. And so I want to close today in reading out of the amplified version of the Bible. So there are lots of different versions. The amplified version, if you are having a hard time understanding something, it's free online. You can look it up, the amplified version. It kind of just like puts the Bible on a loudspeaker. It really just expands what the message is. And so I want to read to you Hebrews 13, 5. The writer of Hebrews is talking, and he says, Be content with what you have, for he, for the Lord has said, I will never, under any circumstance, yes, any circumstance, desert you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless, nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you, assuredly not. I will never leave you, I will never relax my hold on you, assuredly not. That's our assurance today. I don't care what your story is, I mean I do care, but it doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter where you've been and what has happened. He will never, ever relax his grip on you. And some of us are squirming so hard to get out of the hand of the Lord. And he said, nope, my hand is right there. And my hand will be upon you no matter what you face. And I wish I could tell you today that it's all going to end and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be wonderful here. I can't tell you that. Your story may end very abruptly like the story of Jonah ends abruptly. But what I can tell you is he is here and he will never, ever let go of you. Assuredly not. So we're about to move into expressions. And as we move into this moment of expressions, this is a time where God is inviting you to respond to what he has been saying this morning. He has been telling us he is with us, he will not leave us, and he will not forsake us. He is here for us. He is a God who loves us. He is a God who protects us, even in our disobedience. Even when we are disobeying him, he chases us down. He runs after us, and he says, I will never let go of you. I will never release my grip on you, ever. And so during this moment of expressions, we invite you to respond. This is your chance. And some of you literally feel like you have just been vomited up on the shore and you're smelly and you're slimy. And God says, but you are mine and I am here. So maybe for you this morning during this response time, you want to come up and you want to partake of the body and the blood of Christ to remember the forgiveness of sins. Every single sin forgiven. Every sin. White as snow. That's what he says about us. He removes it as far as the east is from the west. So maybe for you, you want to come and have communion. Or maybe for you, this is an opportunity to come over to the cross. And that deepest fear that your terrified mind has been leading you down that bad path, maybe that deepest fear that you have, give it to Jesus. Nail it to the cross. Let him take that. Or maybe for you today, you want to um, have prayer with our pastors and our elders. Maybe you just want to go and ask them to pray for you and to bless you in the name of the Lord. Or maybe this morning is a time for you where you stay right where you are and you respond with worship and you respond with praise. And for some of us, that's a sacrifice because we don't want to raise our hand because that's weird and uncomfortable to us. 
But maybe today, that's what the Lord wants you to do, is to worship him right where you are. Wherever you are this morning, wherever your faith journey has found you, whatever your topography is, the Lord is here with us, and he is not going to leave us, and he's not going to let go. Father, we thank you that we have a promise of your assurance that no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how dry or dangerous or anxiety-filled the topography of our life is, that you are with us and that you will never leave us and that you are for us and that you are a God who loves us and a God who forgives no matter what. And we thank you for that, Father. We thank you that you accept us right where we are this morning. So we come before you, Father, and we ask through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us stand when we're falling. Help us have our strength renewed when we feel weak. Help us to be reminded that we are held even when we feel like we are falling short. We love you, Father, and we thank you that we can rest in your presence and in your arms. In Jesus' name, amen.